Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another Arsenal Women Askcast on AskBlog.com October Mailbag Edition. I can't remember whether the last Mailbag Edition we did was at the beginning of October or the end of September. Um, don't think it really matters. This might be October Part 2. I should have looked that up before we started recording, but hey, what are you going to do? So once again, taking listener questions that we gathered on Twitter. We haven't gathered um, questions from Facebook because, frankly, fuck Facebook. Um, so we take them from Twitter instead. And here to help me answer your questions, we have Pippa Monique. Pippa, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? All good, thank you. All good. And Alex Ibaceta. Alex, how are you this evening? Quite good, yeah. Obviously, time of recording, we just got the year old draw, so I'm buzzing about that, actually. Ah, mm. uh, yeah, yeah. I've only been able to have like a cursory glance of that so far. I need to have a look because I bought a load of tickets kind of blind um and I, I need to look at like which games i've got now i love that you do that i feel like you've done that a few times before <laughs> ahead, of the, ahead of the game you get lucky to be fair london has actually i don't know because i i i mistakenly put them up against the original 2020 schedule mm-hmm. and i think it's completely yeah. wrong and for now london has like spain germany spain Ooh. denmark oh um, nice but that might change so you know what i might get screwed over <laughs> originally, originally the opening game was meant to be at Old Trafford. I don't know if that's still happening now. Yeah, that's still happening. Okay. Yeah, that's England, Austria. I, I haven't like yeah. I've, I've gone all down south. So like I've got a couple at Brentford. My mum lives in Brighton, so I've got a couple at Brighton. I'll go to with my mum. Easy. Nice. And uh, a couple in MK because I've got family there as well. So like, <laughs> yeah, and I've got the uh, semi-final and the final. So um, you know, frankly, who cares who's in those ones? Uh, hopefully England. But anyway. <laughs> But anyway, Euro 2022 uh, excitement aside, obviously we are here to talk about uh, the wonderful Arsenal Football Club as always. And like we said, taking your questions on Twitter. Uh, And I'm going to start off with this one. It actually came in slightly late anyway. So the questions I sent you, this wasn't on there anyway. Um, But I think it's a really interesting one. And Alex, you and I discussed this a little bit at the beginning of the season. Um, So I'll come to you first on it. Um, but it's from Belinda at Belinda Edits. Um, what are your opinions on Jonas seemingly using either Frieda or Kim as defensive midfielders in some games, then playing Leah Volti in the games against harder opponents? So Leah started against Chelsea, Manchester City and Barcelona, which bears Belinda's point out there. Do you think he's just managing minutes or is it preference um, for Kim and Frieda in the deeper roles, maybe against the weaker teams? It's a tough one, even looking at it now. Yeah, we spoke about it, kind of anticipating what he would do and kind of questioning what he would do. And I think, yeah, you would use Leo Valti for a more defensive-minded game 
Um, obviously, Frieda Manum isn't naturally a defensive midfielder or defend like a defender at all. Obviously, even if we look at her playing a six role, like she's getting at the top of the box, she's taking shots. Um, so she's not your your very standard um, classic cent- uh, center defensive midfielder. So you would use her when you want your your team to have that extra player in attack rather than have the extra defender, if that makes sense. And then you put Leo Valti. I mean, to be fair, like Leo Valti's attack is still really, really good. So it's not that much of a, of a loss when you have her there, but Leo Valti does have that more of a defensive reassurance rather than Manum. Um, but going off of little, it bothered me because obviously against Hoffenheim, um, Jordan came back. So, so Kim little had to slot back into that number eight role kind of, and it, it kind of, it didn't piss me off, but the way that Kim has been playing in that attacking midfielder, number 10 role, kind of way higher up the pitch, she's been doing so well in that position so far this season and the players around her and having, I think having Frida behind her has complimented her a lot in that position. Um, Cause now Kim Little, instead of dropping back and trying to get that interception deeper into the field, she's pushing and she's, she's really good at that high press that obviously Jonas introduces a lot. Um, so it was, it was kind of a buzzkill to have Kim drop back um, a bit deeper. And I think it changed a lot of the, not momentum, because obviously Jordan Nobbs is still one. Um, she's a top player. She's going to be there. She's still going to be really good. But it changed the style and the rhythm of Arsenal's play, I think, a lot, um, which I think is the same with Frida Manum and Leo Valti. But I mean, yeah, like either one, it's going to be a good pick. But I do think yeah, it's based on how defensively Jonas wants to play. Yeah, because when we spoke about it at the beginning of the season, I said I had an inkling that maybe Leo Valti would be a player he'd use more sparingly. Um, and he kind of has, but as Belinda suggests in the big games, he plays Leo Valti there. And I, I thought that might be personal preference, but I am told that Leo, if you remember, she's missed a couple of games with, I can't remember if it's a foot or an ankle knock that she picked mm-hmm. up in August, which is not serious, but I am told it's not entirely gone away. So I do think there is an element of minute management um, in there as well. But ultimately, I think he just likes playing Frida uh, wherever she can play. Um, let's let's move the questions on. Pippa, I'll put this one to you. This is from Adam Salter uh, on Twitter, at Adam Salter 4 How surprised have you been by the impact Jonas has had on the squad in such a short space of time? Could his management style, combined with a strong potential for success on the pitch, <laughs> convince players to stay at the club for a few more seasons, in your opinion? Hey, Adam. <laughs> um, that's a good question because I am genuinely surprised. I mean, I knew what to expect at some certain level, but obviously a WSL is completely different to where Jonas had been previously. We know he's very experienced and I don't think many fans expected him to come in to replace, um, well, I almost forgot his name for a moment. Joe. Joe. Wow. Just do speak to him every week. <laughs> um, I didn't think many fans expected Jonas to come in. And what he's done so far has been pretty incredible. The wins, the, the types of performances as well, especially against Chelsea. Um, and I think it's still too early to say whether it's enough to convince certain players to stay because we don't know what they're what they've been promised or what they what the basis is of what they've stayed for. We don't know. You know we, they could have had conversations pre-season before Jonas even came in. And of course, when Jonas arrived, that, you know, if we get to a Champions League semi-final or final, then of course, um, certain players, I'm, I'm guessing he's alluding to Vivian, Leah Williamson, then of course yeah. they'll stay. Um, but yeah, on the, to answer the question, I'm very impressed so far. Top of the table, 
wins after wins successively and um it's a great start and and everyone around the fan base seems confident you mentioned the the switching out of players not only just with Leah and Frida there's been a lot of changes that we didn't see under Joe with the squad management for different games sometimes you don't know who to expect especially in the front four or front three whatever it may be because there's that many options now um and even Katie McCabe's adding to that as well so it's very interesting how he's using the players that he has um and the players that he's brought in as well um, but yeah, I'm very surprised and very happy with what Jonas has done so far. Yeah, he's, I mean, the, the style of play has completely changed, basically. And um, he's been able to do that very quickly. That said, I do yeah. think we've got the players that suit um, the style that he he really wants to go for, that more high-pressing style. I do think the players are there for that. Um, I'm going to throw this next one to you, Alex, because it concerns Barcelona, um, one of your favourite subjects. Um, and it's from uh, Ariel AWFC on Twitter, of course. Our tie against Barca wasn't our best. And while we all know they're the best team in the world, I hoped we'd compete more than we did and hold them better. What can we do in our return home leg to compete better and have more possession and chances? It was. I think we all expected Arsenal to compete a bit more. Um, but at the end of the day, we did know that Barcelona are the team that they are. And... It was, I mean, a 4-0 win is surprising from a certain perspective that you maybe thought it was going to be a 2-0, a 3-1 kind of, but we always knew that, I mean, it's not a shocking result at the end of the day. Um, I think I think Jonas might have maybe come into this fixture a bit too naively. Um, and it's fair to have the confidence that he did. I think up until then, it was nine wins from nine. You know, the players were, were confident. Everyone was confident. And it's fair, but at the end of the day, you're going up against Barcelona and the way he came into it, I think that's why it went so badly. Um, I don't know if it was just mentality. Maybe they were overconfident and they didn't know what to expect. Um, and I think that's down to preparation because um, obviously I do think we have the players to compete. I think the preparation just wasn't enough to to kind of caution the players of what they're coming up against. Um, so it, it was, I think that's what happened there. And I think for the second fixture, I think, Jonas has to come into this mindset of that he's the underdog at the end of the day. And if he comes in, comes in with that mindset and he does everything to prepare properly as the underdog, um, I think it'll make a difference. And I think also it is, I know a lot of managers, I would suspect Jonas is the same that he won't really cave into the opposition. Um, like he kind of sticks to, to what he knows and what the players are good at. But at the end of the day, it's Barcelona. So I think he has to potentially kind of cave just a little bit and kind of play to Barcelona's weaknesses rather than Arsenal's strengths, if that makes sense. Um, So I just think, I just think preparation has to be a bit better for the second match. Obviously at the Emirates, it's still not necessarily a home fixture. Um, And I think someone made a point that the grass might actually suit Barcelona's style play a bit better which is obviously huge. Um, but yeah, I think preparation in general, just of what to expect. I think now that Arsenal have that that whooping under their belt now, they, they kind of know what to expect and they won't go into it as naively as they did the first time. Yeah, and to be fair, I think Jonas spoke about this a lot in the aftermath of the game. He said that he got his game plan wrong. He said he thought he saw a weakness in Barcelona and found out it wasn't a weakness at all. Um, and some of his um, his comments on the psychological side, he was talking about... You know, when you're defending a lot and you get scared, it impacts you when you have the ball. I think the phrase he used was, when you get the ball, you don't see Arsenal players anymore. You see Barcelona players and you worry about what they're going to do. 
And I think that's what he wants to kind of um, help them lose that fear. I think also in the second half against Barca, there were some green shoots when Arsenal were a bit more aggressive um, going forward. That, that said, it was 3-0 at the time. And I, I don't really know um, kind of what, what kind of tilt Barcelona were playing at at that point. Like, I'm not sure they were quite at 100% at that point of the game. So... Um, I, I think I think Arsenal will be better prepared. Um, that said, I'm, I'm still not sure they'll get anything. Um, might not be four one this time, but yeah, I'd be very surprised still if we got anything. And and maybe there's some inspiration to take from Kirsch as well, who gave them a real scare on match day two actually, and probably really should have taken at least a point. Um, we have a series of questions, and Pippa, I'm going to throw over to you first about your mate Nikita Paris. Um, <laughs> Because we've had we've had a few. In fact, we've had three questions about this, um, both from uh, Ariel AWFC again. Uh, Aiden, sorry, Aiden, I'm going to butcher your surname again. Uh, I really because Aiden always asks questions, and I need yeah. to ask him how to pronounce his surname. But um, Dulowery, uh, it's an Irish surname, um, and Christopher. Oh no, no, not Christopher Humphrey. Actually, Phil Fort have all basically asked variations of the question about whether we should be worried about Nikita Paris's form so far, because she hasn't scored in the WSL. She's got a couple in the Champions League, um, but not in the WSL yet. And so um, there's a, a couple of variations on the question, A, should we be worried? Um, or B, are you worried at this stage? Um, is, oh, sorry. Is that Nikita? <laughs> Why do you think we're mates? It's because it's selfie. <laughs> um, no, it's a tough one because <clears throat> it's hard to know what role Jonas brought her in for because obviously we already have forwards and then Manny Ibubuchi was also brought in. So there's so much options. And in so many of those games that you mentioned, she hasn't actually been a starting player. Yes, the form's worrying, but when you don't start every... If, you, if she started every game and had, that, had those stats, then it'll be a cause for concern. But sometimes she comes in from the bench. Sometimes she doesn't feature at all. And those Champions League games were in the was in the qualifiers when she was featured, and she was fresh to the team. It's it's still very brand new. I think the concern is only because we're at a stage where Jonas has started the season so strong. And like I said earlier, I don't think many people expected that. And because the whole team has done well and the results are there and performances are there, when one key player that everyone was so excited to see doesn't provide numbers as soon as possible. If it's not in sync with what the team are doing, then it's a concern. Um, but I don't think it's, there's still a long way to go. There's still much more games to be played in the league. We've got the FA Cup as well. And of course, the Champions League group stages. So it's, it's, it's a cause for concern slightly because you would want your, your star signing to do numbers. But as long as you've got the forwards are there, like Vivian Miedemar, Katie McCabe jumping in there, Beth Mead's on fire. You've got Iwabuchi. You've got all these other players that are doing their job. Yeah. I don't think it's a massive cause of concern, but it's frustrating, of course. I, I completely agree. I, I think, first of all, there's a lot of football to play and Nikita Paris will play a lot of minutes. Mm. Yeah. I, ultimately, I think she's just been a victim of the, the form of Beth Mead as much yeah. as anything. And Beth is a player who just seems to have seen some of these signings in her position and, and kind of really taken that as a challenge, which you want. And, and at the moment, it's very difficult to budge Beth and now Tobin's available as well. I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm uh, like as much as I understand where the questions are coming from. And yes, we probably haven't seen as much of Keats as, as maybe we were expecting. I think there's a long way to go. And she's so proven at this level 
I, I have, I just have absolutely no doubts. I really, really don't like she's, yeah. she's one of the top scorers in this league. Um, and she's done it for Manchester city as well. I think she'll be absolutely fine. I really, yeah. really do. Um, so I'm, I'm not worried yet. Alex, what about you? What are your thoughts on Keats so far? I think you said it there, Tim. I mean, yeah, I think a victim to Beth Mead is is pretty decent. And also Katie McCabe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that front three of, of Katie McCabe, Viv and Beth, I think right now are the strongest three. Um, that's obviously Tobin Heath still has to, she starts to fit into the team. You know, she's still getting used to the team. And then Nick, I think Nikita the same. Um, I think obviously Beth, Viv and, and Katie have been playing together for so long. And I think it was a lot easier for Jonas to instill his style play because Joe already had them working together in a certain style and Jonas just had to add on to that. Um, whereas Nikita and, and Tobin are kind of brand new to that coming from completely different style plays um, from France, from under Casey Stoney. It's, it's very different to, to the way Jonas wants to play. So I think it's just, it, I think it is down to that. I think, yeah, you know, Nikita Paris, I don't think she's at her peak anymore, if I'm being quite honest. I think she's mm-hmm. she's past that a little bit. And I think a player like Beth Mead will have that advantage over her for quite, I think, for the rest of the season. Um, but at the end of the day, she's a goal scorer. And whether you want her on the wing, she can, she can probably even fit into that central striker role eventually. Um, so I think, I mean, she's a player to, to watch and it's just a matter of how she fits in and how Jonas puts her into that. But yeah, um, just patient patience, I think, is key here. And, and yeah, at the end of the day, Jonas is still new. So new players, new coach, not everything is going to click. Luckily, a lot of things have already clicked, but mm. of course there's, there's still those, those little screws to, to, to kind of screw in and, and have everything working perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about, so I, I think Tobin's start has probably been similar to Keats. And if you're talking about Tobin Heath, you know, needing a little bit of time to adjust, then I think you give Nikita Paris a pass on that. And, and actually, I think what's positive about that is that we know as the season goes on, let's say Beth Mead's form doesn't last. We know that the players are there um, to come in. And actually, if like, it would probably be better for Arsenal if Nikita reserved her best form for like January, February, um, because that's when that's probably when they'll need it the most because some some players are going to drop off, some players are going to get injured um, and that's when we'll really need, like if halfway through the season Keats and Tobin really click, then then that's absolutely great. Pippa? Hopefully not. Hopefully no injuries. <laughs> well, on, so on that score, that's a brilliant segue into our next question, which is from Christopher Humphrey, um, who is at Chris H. Guna 52 um, the club's injury situation seems to have improved markedly since Gary Lewin became head of medical, yeah, became head of sports science and medical. Um, aside of Jonas's appointment, would the panel consider pers- <laughs> uh, would the panel consider that persuading Lewin to come in has been one of the most significant signings of the summer? Hmm. I mean, when you put it like that, yeah, but I'm not I'm not so well informed on all the backroom staff, if I'm entirely honest with you. Um, obviously, we've seen an improvement, um, but I, I can't tell you what that's down to. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's the thing. And, and also, like, I think it's still a little bit early mm. um, because I think this time last year, Arsenal had a, a good kind of bill of health. And then in, like, about November, hamstrings started going bang. Um, so I, I, I do think we need to wait. But I know, well, first of all, I know Jonas said that Gary Lewin was um, the best signing of the summer uh, Mm -hmm. so far. Um, 
yeah, I, I agree. It's probably too early to say that. But I know Joe, um, when Joe left, he did an interview with Tom Gary in The Telegraph and he made some allusion to we made mistakes medically because we don't have like the expertise there that we need. Um, and I think that was always a big part of the club's kind of review um, at the end of the season. So like so far, so good. But also Jonas is rotating the players more, which yeah. might, which yeah. might, yeah, exactly. Which, which might explain it as much as, uh, as much as Gary. But then we don't know if maybe Gary Lewin's advising him to do that as well. But mm -hmm. from what I'm told, Jonas does this quite a lot um, and, and has done this quite a lot when he was in Sweden. Um, on to the next question then. And actually, um, Alex, this is kind of what you alluded to earlier on the Friedemann and Leo Volti question. This is from Pontius Stromberg. Um, Kim has been so good at playing at 10 this season when Jordan was injured, but how do we get the best out of Kim for the rest of the season? Will she have to make, take a more defensive role to make place uh, for Jordan, Manor, etc.? Or can we let her stay in that number 10 role and be more attacking? I mean, obviously, ideally you want her. I want her in that attacking role because I think it suits everyone around her more. Um, but then where do you put Jordan? Um, I mean, we know Jordan's strengths and her strengths aren't defending. Um, you know, she's a good midfielder and she's good at recoveries. But if you have her a deeper role, especially next to Frida Manum, who likes to go forward. So I think whoever plays that eight role will have to cover um, quite a bit when you look at the dynamics of the middle three. But I mean, I mean, I think bluntly, Kim Little's best position right now is that attacking midfielder um, rather than deeper where she's been playing under Joe, for example, last season. Um, but then, yeah, it's just, I think the pros and cons of that, I think that's up to Jonas to weigh it in. Um, whether you want Kim Little and Jordan Nobbs on the pitch at the same time, whether you want uh, Frieda Man and Leovati, I mean, it's, it's his decision to pick the best three um, for that case scenario. And I think it might have to be like a Leovati, Frieda Manum situation where you have Kim Little and Jordan rotating that role quite a bit and you just you do it based on the opposition and what you want out of the team um, so hopefully yeah, we I mean again she's going to be rested a few games hopefully um, to have her for the for when we need her the most for example against Barcelona I think that would be a good one um, but I think it's just going to be rotating to get the best, best out of her I mean to be bluntly she's also going to play really really good in any position that you put her in um, so that's another thing but yeah I think that tenor role kind of that higher attacking 10 kind of really in behind Viv um, suits her really, really well and suits the team well. So I would say that's her best position right now. But yeah, I think it's just up to, to Jonas and the opposition um, who plays in that role and where you put Kim. Yeah, I, I think the reality is there'll be rotation in those roles. I mean, personally, I still, I still like the little knobs partnership, as it were, because I think they swap really, really well because they really, really understand each other. Um, Pippa, what do you reckon? Where where do you prefer to see Kim Little? I, I'm the same with Alex. I prefer an attacking midfield. And I was just going to say and put in there that every single time my son watches Kim Little play, and this is a massive compliment because my son is not very easily pleased. Every time he watches <laughs> a game, he literally says, because he's a midfielder, he puts Kim Little in his list of midfielders he wants to play like. That's how good she is in that attacking midfield role. And when he said that, I was like, wow because normally he mentions the other players in the Premier League and La Liga. Mm. So when he said Kim Little, that's how you know, especially because the games he'd been to recently was the Chelsea game. He went to the Hoffenheim game and, he's just, and other games in previous seasons. 
And you just see how good she is as an attacking midfielder. But that is her role. It, it is hard of how it's going to work with all the other players we have in the squad now. Yeah, I, I think the thing is with Kim, her qualities, like her qualities in terms of dribbling um, in tight spaces, mm. they're, they're really useful deep if you want to get out of pressure, but they're really useful on the edge of the box as well. And if you remember the goal she scores against Man City, where she kind of ducks between three players and smashes it in, it, it's just a, well, I think ideally you'd probably want her higher, but with like, you know, Jordan and Mana Iwabuchi, you know, there is a case for having her a little bit deeper and, and kind of feeding those players. I, yeah. I, I think we can flex it from game to game, to be honest. And I, and I do think that that is what will happen. And I do think that once Jordan Nobbs gets a few more games under her belt, we'll start looking at her again and go, whoa, we can't drop her. She has to play every game. And we'll have 15 players where we're like, we can't drop them. They have to play every game. And uh, and yeah. It's like a problem to have. It is. It is a very good problem to have. But I just, I rate that partnership between Kim and Jordan. Um, I really think they understand each other very well. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Why don't we come on to um, a, a question actually from Mariak Van Lith, who is at Mariak Van Lith on Twitter. And I'll put this out to Pippa first. Do we think that Leah is the England is the new England captain, or yeah. will be? Yeah, I, I've I've been saying this. I'm sure I've even said it on this podcast before. Hopefully, I have anyway. But I've been saying this for years that she will be the next future England captain. And I've got nothing to back that. I don't know why I ever did it, but I just saw leadership within her, and it was hard. I don't know. I say I don't know why I said it because there were times, even under Joe, that she, there was times that she didn't feature as much as we wanted her to. And even more so in the Lionesses, um, even though she got called up to the squad, even in the World Cup and other um, other games, she wasn't used because you had to step out and you've got Millie Bright. You've got other players there that you'd say are much more experienced. But under certain circumstances that happened recently, she's been selected. She's in there, young. She's doing well. Every game that she's captain, she's won so far. A real leader on the pitch. I mean, it's a great attribute to have as well. And um, it, it's going to be hard to drop her as captain. The squad seemed to love it. The fans seem to love it. She seems to love the responsibility. And um, I think this is it from now. This is not just a preliminary thing. This is not a, what do they call it? Interim. It's not an interim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope think, not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Alex, uh, what do you reckon on that? Do you reckon that Leo will be named the permanent England captain by Serena? Uh, I mean, I hope so. But will she? I think when you look at Serena's history with the Dutch captain, um, I think that's very telling because she, she, she uh, Sharia Spitze has been captain for a very, very long time. And even when she doesn't play, then Serena, um, Sari van Wienendal, which obviously people of this podcast will be familiar with. Um, but she's never really given a lot of leadership to kind of younger players. But I think it's about what she wants to do with this England team, whether she wants to establish her own team with younger players and that leadership going forward for the long term, or if she wants to kind of keep that experience and kind of... There's, yeah, there's two ways you can go about it. Is the younger players, new team, fresh team, fresh start, or keep that England senior players in the experience and kind of grow off of that and let the players learn from that, the younger players, um, which I hope doesn't happen. But obviously it can go both ways, especially I think her name dropping Lucy Bronze when she was asked about Leah Williamson was really telling of, of what she wants as captain. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't and if she's kind of, I don't think she'll lose captaincy entirely. I think she'll definitely be a vice captain. Um, I think that's for sure. She'll definitely be up there, but I don't know if she'll have the captain role um, just yet. But yeah, it's just a matter of what Serena wants. But I do agree, agree with Pippa. I think Leah Williamson is the way forward and England won those four games because Lee Williamson was captain, not because of the opposition. <laughs> We're saying that from now on. Uh, but yeah, I do agree that Lee Williamson should be, she's definitely one of the, the best leaders you'll have, just her humbleness and her calmness on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, she's level-headed and you know she wants the best for the team. So you'll kind of listen to whatever she says and whatever she tells you, you know, it's coming from a good place, which I think is is crucial, especially for England who have a lot to look forward to with the Euros and, and the World Cup. So, yeah. Pippa, did you want to come in on that again? No, I was, I was actually waiting oh. to hear what you thought on the Halima. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> so, I, 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 yeah, I, I kind of agree with Alex. I think that what will happen, so I think it won't be Steph Horton. Um, otherwise, Serena wouldn't have done this, I don't think. And Serena made this announcement before Steph was injured. So, I think it's not going to be Steph Horton anymore. And I think Steph will lose her place in the team to Leah. Um, however, I think that what will happen is that Lucy Bronze will be named captain and Leah will be named vice captain because Lucy Bronze has been injured for the last two camps. And I think that had she been there, the, the announcement... I, I mean, I don't really know why the announcement can't be made now, if that's what she's thinking. I don't know why she can't just say... Lucy Bronze, the captain, and Leah's the vice captain. So maybe she hasn't made her mind up, but because, yeah, do... maybe maybe something happens during the camp that's given her through. Yeah. The maybe she's thinking maybe Leah actually could be captain. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe she just wanted to have a look at her. Maybe and like the next time, maybe Lucy Bronze is fit and she says, "Okay, I'll give it to Lucy Bronze and see how she responds to it, and mm. then I'll make a decision." But I think if you pressed Serena now, um, maybe privately, she'd say, "Yeah, Lucy's number one." Leah kind of number two but you know Lucy Bronze turned 30 today I believe so she's I mean she's by no means finished obviously but you know that'll probably carry her to to the Euros and then to the next World Cup but then maybe after that um, the next kind of tournament after that in 2024 I think Mm -hmm. Um, I'm losing track with everything with (laughs) COVID 
that that Leah will will become um, the England captain, and if she stays at Arsenal, she will definitely be the next Arsenal captain. Yeah, um, I think that's for sure. Um, why don't we move on to a question from Liam, who is at Liam Twitter fifteen R. Um, and I'll throw this one to Alex first. Despite Arsenal's excellent start and all the positive changes in our play, what do you think is something that we could improve on? Hmm. Mm, that's a good question. Um, it's really hard to to kind of pin something bad considering how well Arsenal have been doing. I mean, the only bad game they've had really was against Barcelona and I think that's very understandable. Um, you can't really fault Arsenal in that perspective. Um, I think I'm, I'm kind of lost for words for this, to be honest, because defensively we're solid. I think the past two seasons we could have faulted a bit on the defensive side. Maybe we haven't been challenged that much because when you look back, um, at the end of the day, we still conceded two goals against Chelsea in that opening match. So mm-hmm. we've kept clean sheets against oppositions, you know, I'm really impressed that we actually kept a clean sheet against Hoffenheim because I think they're a really good side. Um, but you would have to look back at that Arsenal-Chelsea game and that Arsenal-Barcelona game and you would have to pick out what we did wrong there because I think defensively that's where it, it got wrong. But I think I think those, I think think those the Arsenal-Barcelona was very much about positioning and, and what the players were potentially instructed to do um, mm-hmm. and what the game plan was in terms of where they wanted the ball to go. And I think Chelsea, it was just maybe in the moment that, but yeah, just conceding those two goals against Chelsea didn't really sit right with me. And they still kind of don't. It was a good win, but it wasn't the best win. So I think looking at that and improving on defensively and and making sure not to concede anything and not to kind of get complacent at a certain point of the match um, to kind of switch off. I think switching on and keeping that consistency now is what I want to see from Arsenal. And I don't think they've been able to do that in the past two seasons either. So what do you reckon Pippa where would you like to see Arsenal improve like like Alex said it's so hard to pinpoint anything as of now um, obviously the easy thing to say would be to keep this consistent for the whole season that would be the improvement because we've seen in previous season there's always um, a few weeks or windows where Arsenal play exceptionally well and then every team has their dip in form so I know it's, it's a hard thing to, to ask for but uh, no dip in form would be great but um We'll see what happens come January, February, and of course towards the end of the season. But if we carry on like this, that's an improvement for for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really hard to pick something out as well. I know Jonas has spoke, well, he spoke at the beginning of the season about like the collective defending. Um, and I think, yeah, I think he was probably referencing certainly that Chelsea game and the first few games. And, and that does seem to have settled down. For, mm. for me, the challenges are coming. And the two big challenges I think Jonas is going to have to manage is first of all fatigue, because obviously most of Arsenal's players didn't have a summer break. And by the way, how great it was to see this week Vivian Miedema, um spared the Belarus game for Netherlands. And she went off um, away and saw some friends for a few days and had a bit of a break. Kim Little's retired. I still think it's an absolute fucking scandal that Jordan Nobbs isn't being called up for England. I think that's <laughs> crazy. But from Arsenal's point of view, probably not the worst thing in the world. So she got a couple of weeks off. But definitely, given that most of those players didn't get a pre-season, managing fatigue. And when you look at Arsenal, have got Chelsea and Manchester City in February. That's going to be really, really key. And they're playing this more energetic style. So managing fatigue as we go into the end of the season is going to be his big challenge. But the other big challenge I think he's going to have 
is at the moment, Arsenal are still a bit of a surprise for teams because they've changed the way they play. And if you cast your minds back to when Joe Montemoro started, he had a very similar start at Arsenal. And, and to be fair, it lasted for like a season and a half, really. He took over halfway through the season, instant uptick with a change in style of play, went and won the league the next season. But then teams begin to find you out a little bit mm-hmm. and they do their homework. And, and at the moment, there isn't as much data as it were on Arsenal. People will be beginning to get a bit more familiar so my, my question is more of a future one. How do Arsenal deal with teams knowing a little bit more what they're about? And particularly when we play Chelsea Man City in February, they will be much better informed about Arsenal's approach. Because I think particularly Man City, we caught them really cold yeah. and they didn't expect what, what we did to them. And I think they'll be prepared for that when we go to Manchester in February. So those, I think the big questions are to come. Mm. the onus um that that would be my at, at the moment all good i really really like the way that arsenal are finding different ways to score goals set pieces crosses counters all of that great but and that that hopefully will protect arsenal against um against becoming too predictable but at some stage teams will will be a little bit wiser to arsenal's threat and, and arsenal are going to have to respond when that happens so that that's my two pence anyway um final couple of questions we've got are actually to do with um, again I, I guess the behind the scenes questions so we had one about Gary Lewin already um, but obviously Arsenal held this review um, at the beginning of this year and added lots of medical staff and things like that and psychologists and so both uh, Katat that's I like that name uh, Katat 18472942 on Twitter um, and LP, uh, Maroon Skittle, 19. Uh, both of them asking variations of the question. Uh, in the summer, Vin, I talked about greater investment in the team behind the scenes, with Chelsea seeming to lead the way. Is there anything new in terms of in- infrastructure or facilities being finalised? Um, and LP, very similar question. Will there be uh, improvement regarding the backroom staff to support the players? I read an interview where Viv said she's happy to have seen some improvement, but there's still more to be done. Um, Alex, why don't I throw that open to you first? Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's a pri- it should be a priority um, in football, in women's football, and, and every kind of place you need these resources in order to eventually get the fruits of what the players do on the pitch. And we saw that, if you want a very specific example, we saw that with Lyon. I mean, the reason why they became the best in the world was because they had the facilities, they had the backroom staff, and all the players had to do was just show up on the pitch um, you know, they had their 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 medical stuff sorted for them, their physios sorted for them, their recovery sorted for them. Everything was sorted in the way it should be professionally. And all they had to do was just perform at their best on the pitch. Um, and obviously you can't really say that for, for everyone. And kind of if these resources are less are less than say Chelsea, for example, who we know have really good resources, then that also affects the team. You know, if the weight room isn't you know has everything you need and you need these physios to improve to kind of come up on the spot with different exercises because the equipment isn't there for example if you if you don't have a physio to to do recovery the next day for players it's little things that really go a long way and maybe that is undermined sometimes especially when um these really old men in suits are doing the budgets and have never played football in their life mm-hmm. um, are doing this and they kind of take away those little things from the woman's aside, for example. I think that goes a long way and you, you can see kind of the 
the benefits of these things when they're actually put in place and they're put in place properly. I mean, we're seeing it now with um, physios and, and just the medical staff that have been brought in. It makes a big difference. The way that players recover from injuries, you want that to be long-term. You don't want them to just be rushed back on the pitch to play as soon as they can. That's not the ideal. So you need someone who has a plan, who is able to actually get them. I mean, essentially everyone jokes about coming back even stronger, but it's true because when you're injured, you have to focus on certain things. If your knee is injured, you have to focus on upper body. You have to focus on form so you can actually get everything put into place back in your knee and you actually do come back stronger, but that's only if it's done properly. Um, Mm. So it's just, it's all these little things that need to be put into place for players to actually be able to be the best they can. And then obviously be the best they can for club and country in this case, just club. Um, But yeah, I think it's, I I can't really, I can't tell you what's happening in the back, like back from scrap and the budgets and, and what's being in place, but that's just it. If Arsenal want to be the best, these facilities need to follow suit with the players and the money that is put into everything else. I think this is equally as important um, to that. And I think, yeah, if Arsenal put a lot of effort into that, it should be, you should see the results on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I guess just to give you I, a bit of what I know, I mean, a lot of staff were added earlier this year. So this review, it kind of went public um, a few months ago, but it actually started in the summer of 2020. That's when the review started. And of, of course, things were exacerbated by the pandemic because they couldn't always use Colney because there was a cap on the numbers of people that could be there at any one time. So they're going backwards and forwards between Hale End and Colney, which I don't think was always great but they were already aware of a lot of these issues. So they brought in Gary Lewin as kind of head of sports science and medicine. They brought in a full-time psychologist. They used to have psychologists but on a contractual basis. Now they've got a full-time one. They brought in um, a goalkeeping coach because Leanne Hall, who is one of the assistant managers, she was, uh, she's a qualified goalkeeping coach and she was kind of doing goalkeeping coaching and coaching, I believe. But they brought in Sebastian Barton, who is now the goalkeeper coach, and Leanne Hall is, you know, um, working very much in in a in a much kind of clearer, not in a dual role anymore. So, what they've done is basically they've filled these roles rather than with contractors, with people who are there full time now. And I, th- I think that's that's like the real difference. I don't honestly know whether they plan on bringing anyone else in. Um, But one of the questions refers to this. I think it's public knowledge that Arsenal are planning to expand um, the women. Like, so the women have since 2015 had like their own little space at London Colney. They have their own training pitches. They have like a little hub where all the players go. Um, But it's quite small at the moment, Um, and and they're looking at expanding that as part of some kind of rework around Colney. But I I don't know what the timeline is for that. Um, but that's that's kind of what's in the plans. Pippa, did you want to add anything on that before we go to the final question? I was just going to say that's massive news because like with the times that we've been to London Colney and when we've spoken to players, I, well, you know Tim as well, when you when you get that little slot to interview players and they, they have to go off somewhere else. They, I've always, I was always under the illusion that they had access to those things, but it was always under a time restriction. So there was a time I was interviewing a player and then they had to rush off because they had to see the physio and they had to see, had to get a massage done, but it was only at a certain time they could get it done. It wasn't, you know, any open access to them at the training ground. They had to be there at a certain point. So that's a massive difference to have that luxury of someone being there full time. Cause I, I remember players not complaining, but you know, not having that option to 
to to juggle their time it's like they've got to go training straight away they've got to do this does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And I, I interviewed Leah Volti over the summer. And actually one of the things she said was that um, I don't think Jonas had even arrived at that point, but he was very keen on them. So like they were doing double sessions because it was pre-season. Mm-hmm. So training in the morning, eat lunch, training in the afternoon. And he insisted that they stay together in that like couple of hours gap. Um, and obviously they weren't able to do that last year anyway, because yeah. of COVID, but he wanted like, he basically wanted them at the training ground together for like most of the day. I, d- I don't know if that's persisted or whether that was just a pre-season thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. That That is a massive thing, like kind of being able to come and go um, yeah. as you please, like huge thing. So why don't we go with the final question, which is just a small little kind of question, which I'll ask to both of you. And it comes to Cameron Stewart, who is at Cam Stewart 115 and based on, and uh, I'll go to you first, Pippa. Mm-hmm. Based on the game so far, how far do you think Jonas can take the team in the Champions League this season? <laughs> it's funny because you say Champions League, and even though we played a couple of games, the only one that sticks out to me is the Barcelona game. Here we won against Hoffenheim, but I don't forget about it. But Barcelona just just jumps out at me each and every time. Um, so it's hard to judge. Um, if I'm, you know, what I'm hoping for is to, to get as far as possible. It'll be amazing to get to, of course, to a final, but realistically to like a, a semi-final, that would be incredible. Um, but I just, I, it's, it's still too early to say what Jonas can do in the Champions League. In the league, it, you can kind of judge a little bit, but it's still too early. Champions League is a whole different ball ballgame. Um, I, would, I would say, ooh, is it, oh, semi-finals. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair shout. Alex, what do you reckon? I agree. Obviously, if we have to face Barcelona before that, then yeah, I think we're, we're kaput. <laughs> Which then. we can't because we're in their group. Yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah, we can't yeah, face them until the final. That is true. Um, I would say, realistically, I would say semifinals. Um, and depending on who we get, I think we can make it to the final. Um, mm-hmm. We won't win the final because we're playing against Barcelona. And no matter you don't know good, that yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's my prediction. Yeah, most um, <laughs> No, I think... I mean, at the end of the day, we beat Chelsea 3-2. We beat Man City 5-0. I think we have the capacity to beat other teams that are similar, even if we do get someone like Chelsea. Um, I think Wolfsburg, you know, Bayern Munich are going to be hard, but I think it is doable mm. um, just because I think we have better strength and depth. And I think Jonas can play around with the players a lot more than they can. Um, and we can be a bit more like tactically flexible during the match, if that makes sense. That's what I think Jonas's advantage is there. Um, I think, yeah, I think Barcelona is the only team that we, well, Lyon potentially. Um, I still think Lyon have come back to a really strong team because of their attack mainly. I think their defense can still be gotten at. Um, and I think it's a like for like style play in terms of possession and getting the ball back in a high press and a high tempo and getting the ball across to your attackers as quick as possible to, to get a shot on goal. Um, so I think that could be kind of, that can sway on the day. But I think realistically, yeah, obviously depending on who we get, um, I think Lyon and, and Barcelona are going to be the two teams that are really going to challenge us. I think everyone else is obviously, I mean, it's not going to be easy no matter what, <laughs> but I think we can definitely get on the day. I think we can definitely get ahead and at least make it to the semis. Yeah, I, I think it's a coin flip between quarter, any, depending on the draw, mm-hmm. um, because Arsenal will finish second in their group if they go through. So they'll play someone who top the group. So then it will be about 
who they get in the quarterfinal because it could be Leon. If they play Bayern Munich or Wolfsburg, um, that would be a coin flip for me. Ditto Chelsea, probably a coin flip game. But they're, ca- they're capable of winning those games. I agree. Barcelona, essentially Barcelona would be the only one where I'd say oh, we're, we're definitely, almost certainly not going to win that. Whereas the others, I'd kind of say maybe 50-50. Um, and, and obviously you've got the dy- dynamic before the final of two legs. So, you know, let, let's just take the Chelsea game and the WSL as an example. We won that 3-2, but if you're playing two legs and you've got an away leg at Chelsea and it's 3-2, that's not a bad result for Chelsea, quite frankly. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it really, it depends on the draw and most of the teams that will be in the quarterfinal, I think would be coin flip games, yeah. quite frankly, um, until it, came to Barcelona and then you're probably looking <laughs> at about a five to 10% chance at the most of, of winning. So yeah. I, I, I hope after all this analysis, Jonas completely turns it around <laughs> if you get Barcelona again and shocks everyone. I mean, win like two, one or something. The, the, the thing that I took away the most from that defeat was after someone asked Jonas um, what he thought about Barcelona getting 37 attempts on goal and he just completely denied it. He's like, yeah. that's wrong. Like those stats aren't wrong. I don't know where you got that from. Uh, so that was that was like directly from UEFA stats. Um, so that was really funny. But yeah, if he turns that around, I mean, it'll be amazing. Good for him. But yeah. And look, and look, when when Arsenal won it in two thousand seven, they played Umea. We're talking about a very similar like Arsenal versus Barcelona. That you'd have given them a yeah. five to ten percent chance in that final, particularly because it was over two legs, and they did it on that occasion. So you never know. You never know. Quite frankly. Um, mm-hmm. And on that cheery note, why don't we leave it there on the memory of Arsenal winning the Champions League in 2007, which I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned on this podcast, <laughs> means we're the only British team to have done it. Um, that is brand new information. <laughs> indeed, because I don't know if people remember Chelsea losing the final 4-0 last year, um, but if not, go and minutes. watch the highlights. They're, they're, they're very funny. <laughs> That's... That's all we have time for, for this uh, mailbag edition. We'll be coming at you with another episode, a really special episode, actually, ahead of Women's Football Weekend um, on the 13th and 14th of November. We've got something really nice lined up that we'll be recording in the next week or so. Um, But for now, that's all we have time for. Thanks so much for listening and downloading and and for asking your questions. And of course, thanks very much to our co-host, Pippa, who you can follow on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle again, Pippa? At Pippa underscore Monique. Lovely stuff. And Alex, who you can follow on Twitter at? Alex Ibaceta 23 And I fully advise you to follow both. You can follow me at Stilberto if you would like to. But until next time we speak in a couple of weeks, thanks so much and goodbye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 